Welcome to Love Love Tennis, where tennis talk starts. I'm Ruth Dobson Torres, host of the Love Love Tennis podcast. The goal of this episode and all future episodes is to promote the sport of tennis by sharing diverse and interesting opinions and voices about all things happening in the tennis world today. So let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Love Love Tennis podcast. I'm really excited because today we've got a great guest. Let me tell her tell you a little bit about her. She is originally from Greenville, North Carolina, and currently resides with her family in Raleigh, North Carolina, the capital city. Her tennis career as a youth included playing in high school and then in college at Peace College in Raleigh, North Carolina. After attending Peace College, she continued her education at East Carolina University, where she earned a BA in therapeutic recreation. She currently serves as executive director of the Abilities Tennis Association of North Carolina. The association has a mission to provide tennis programming to individuals with intellectual disabilities across the state. Under her leadership, Abilities Tennis now serves more than 500 athletes at 20 North Carolina locations and hosts seven tennis tournaments for athletes annually. And in 2018, Abilities Tennis was awarded the USTA National Adaptive Tennis Community Service Award and has received numerous accolades under her leadership. When she's not working, she competes in USTA league matches as a 4.5 player. So with all of that said, welcome Lou Welch to the Love Love Tennis Podcast. Thank you, Ruth. I'm so happy to be here today with you. Well, we are so excited that you're our guest today. Um, As our listeners know, uh, we founded Love Love Tennis because we're all about sharing our love and passion for for the sport of tennis and, and, and hearing and promoting different voices and perspectives and the diversity that is uh, connected to the sport of tennis. So we're very excited about um, talking with you today because I know you've got a great passion for the game and your organization does as well. So to start us off here, um, we understand that you're a North Carolina native who grew up in the eastern part of the state. At what age did you first realize that you loved loved the game of tennis? And can you share how you were involved in the sport as a young player? Yeah, so um, as young as the age of six, so that would have been in 1970, I told my mom I wanted to play tennis. So she takes me to Parks and Rec and they proceed to tell me that I'm too small and at that time didn't really have rackets that size. So then uh, I just knew I was into sports. I just loved athletics, even at that age. And so I started riding horses. Okay. And that was what I did for um, four or five years. And then at the age of 10, I picked tennis back up and um, had been, my mother was taking lessons and was getting pretty good. And I went out and played her and beat her and <laughs> was like, oh, I like this game and I think I could be good at it. And so then I just started playing all the time. We go up to the mountains of North Carolina and I would hit on the backboard for hours and play for hours. And then, yeah, I just got the bug. I had the tennis bug for at sure. Six years old. That is amazing that you wanted to play at six years old. Um, so it's and playing with your mom and against your mom. That, that is 
fantastic to hear. Um, you did end up, I understand, playing at the collegiate level at Peace College in Raleigh. How did you end up playing in college and what type of tennis did you play when you were there? Were you, um, you know, singles, doubles, playing both? And yes. Well, this story is is kind of interesting because at that time, Peace College uh, was really a, a powerhouse in tennis because of the president, Dr. Frazier. He loved tennis. And there's a coach, Ruth Hopkins, who's since passed away, but she recruited some of the top players in the country. Literally, the top five players were top five in, in the state, in whatever state they came from. Mm-hmm. And I was really an outlier. So I was just at school taking um, PE, and the coach needed a sixth player. And so um, saw me playing and said, you know, would you come play on the team? And so um, Dr. Frazier even had something. If you played on the team, everybody had to have a scholarship. And so it just worked out for me to, to play. And um, wow. so, so anyway, it was fun. And I played five or six, but I was nowhere near as good as the other girls on the team. Well, I, that's, that is amazing that you were sort of discovered in PE class and how, how good for you, you know, that that happened. But I mean, I, I would think that was so amazing at that time to be playing around the other on that team. Oh, yeah, no they matter, were great. You know, and, and you know how, how tennis, the tennis world brings people together. And uh, two years ahead of me was Kelly Key Gaines, who is now the executive director for North Carolina Tennis. And she played a pivotal role in me getting this position that I have. So you just see how tennis really can affect one's life and bring so many wonderful people together into our past. Yes. Yes. But yeah. So so after Peace College, I understand that um, you went to East Carolina University uh, here in North Carolina. We refer to it sometimes as ECU. And you got a BA in therapeutic recreation. I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that degree and what were your hopes at that time in terms of thinking how you were going to put that degree to good use, at, you know, in a career, in a professional life? Well, you know, at that age, I don't know that I had much vision, but um, but I will say I was just happy to graduate from college. And I, I ended up moving to Florida to work uh, at a psychiatric hospital down there with adolescents. And I loved it. And I'd play tennis on the weekends, go to tournaments. And it was a great life down there for a couple of years. And then I came back to Raleigh and... Um, kind of got out of it, ended up recruiting for Peace College. And then I went into pharmaceutical sales. And then I stayed at home with my kids for like 17 years. (laughs) And so then um, when they were in high school and I was looking to go uh, do something, I ran into Kelly Key Gaines and um, she told me about Abilities Tennis and knew my major and that it might be a good fit. And so eventually the position came up. And I, I got it at that point, uh, you know, they were looking for someone to work like 10 hours a week. And this was seven years ago. And so now the job has just kind of spiraled into this wonderful organization where I just find so much joy working with this population. And it's been such a blessing in my life and really in my whole family's life. And um, it's just been it's been wonderful. The families and the athletes that I've met 
have enriched my life uh, tremendously. Tremendously. I was going to ask, so it sounds like you were down in Florida for a while. You were in, uh, you got the exposure in pharmaceutical industry. Um, that You said, were you promoting um, medicines around, uh, you know, the psychiatric for, for adolescents or that was just experience that you had? That was just, I just worked down there with uh-huh. them with that but in pharmaceuticals I was in I was married and living in Raleigh at that time I see and so then you ran into Kelly yes after staying home with the children you were ready to get back into the to the work world yeah and so you know at what point it sounds like maybe immediately did you realize that with abilities tennis that you'd found a sweet spot, you know, pun intended, um, career choice and, you, you know, how you could really, you could really leverage that education, you know, in, in the role that, that you have. When did you, was that immediate or? It, it no, just, no, they, it wasn't. The first year was extremely difficult and um, uh, even questioned if it was the right position for me. And then as things continue, as I plugged along, and persevered, um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about persevering later, but um, tennis has taught me to persevere, and I persevered through some hard things, and then I um, realized that I was in the sweet spot, and looking back and going, wow, I did major in the right thing. Maybe I had questioned it in the past, and, and it's obvious that I had chosen the right path for me, and, you know, I, I do um, you know, I, pr- I pray about everything and I felt like I was led on that path. And now it is certainly the sweet spot for me right yeah. now in my life. That is so, I'm so glad to hear that because I think so many people, um, right out of college, they, they don't know exactly where they want to go, even though they've just achieved a degree. So it's so nice to hear that, you know, you did have a little bit of, um, you know, a walks, but you've ended up into this place that does really gel with, with your degree. I just, I always love to hear those stories. Personally, I was a journalism major. And so um, I've spent my career, you know, in corporate marketing. And so I felt, I've always felt very lucky that I've been able to put to good use, you know, that, that education. And even now with promoting and being a part of, of Love, Love Tennis with our blog and even this podcast, it's, you know, fun for me to, to be able to leverage those skills. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, okay, so let's hear a little more about the difference that your association is making in intellectually disabled individuals' lives. Um, on your website, www.atanc.org, uh, I noticed there are six different program offerings that are described at a high level. And so if you would, for our listeners who haven't yet visited your website, um, can you talk with me about a couple of those offerings? Um, specifically, um, would you please tell us about the clinics that the ATANC holds? Yes. I mean, who, who can attend? You know, are they really structured? When and where are they offered? And are yes. they free? You know, are these- yes. So first of all, everything we do is free of charge to our athletes. And that's one thing we pride ourselves on. Um, and yeah. the clinics uh, across the state, we at any given time, we have 20 to 23 clinics going on. And each one is a bit different. Um, we might have three or four in some, and we might have 15 to 20 in some other ones. But we always want to make sure we have one-on-one volunteers. So that's a big aspect of, of our programming is the volunteers. And, and multiple aged 
uh, individuals or are people yes, it's, it's by eight, eight or is it, it, it it's all right. eight and up. So, okay. And we kind of follow um, what Special Olympics does because we we mirror them. I mean, they Special Olympics does such a great job of having a different sport every two months. And um, you and I've talked, but the way we came into to being is that some parents and a coach wanted to create uh year-round tennis for their children who love tennis and were tennis addicts and wanted to play all the time like you and I do and so that's how uh, we started so our you know year-round we have something going on and the clinics we are very versatile I mean we have what's called skills clinics so that's for the beginners they're just they're on the court with a pro or volunteer tossing balls and just working on connecting and then um, we actually have some athletes who are four O's and play USTA league. And so it's, it's a wide range, but even our tournaments, our seven tournaments, yes, the uh, tournaments. there's, there's something <laughs> for everyone. Um, and, uh, are you, excuse me uh, for interrupting. I was going to, well, I just think I heard you say that you have some athletes who are at the 4.0 level. Yes. Mm-hmm. That to me is just amazing um, to hear. And, uh, yes. you know, and so I'm so glad that they're, they have this opportunity to practice in your clinics and to, and also to play in the tournaments. That's well, it's very cool. rewarding for the volunteers to see the athletes getting better all the time. So, you know, um, to come out there and work with the athletes and see their skill level and improve exponentially is very rewarding. And do you all, you're, you're across the state of North Carolina, so that where these clinics are held, it's you, 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 you all partner with tennis, other tennis associations. You guys are a tennis association, but you partner with the local, other local tennis organizations and the courts that they have. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? That you Well, know, often, oftentimes <laughs> we do, but it's not always. So typically what we like to do is have a three-way partnership with Parks and Rec, and they would do the marketing, registration, background checks for us. And then we do like to partner with other CTAs in the area who can bring in volunteers. But uh, in several of the locations, we have different groups who volunteer, or um, there's just different ways that we can bring in the volunteers. Okay. Now, I understand that you do partner sometimes or or, uh, do outreach with division one college tennis players we have a lot of universities here in the triangle area of of north carolina we have unc chapel hill and nc state university duke we also have peace uh college we have uh, a number of schools um so on the site one of the offerings described was play days with you know partnering with tennis players at the collegiate level can you share a bit about those they sound fun (laughs) well probably the most popular that we partnership that we have is with nc state is uh, called the winter chill it's not a play day it's a tournament where we have anywhere from 80 to 90 of our athletes come and play a tournament at nc state the men's and women's team are there and they uh, hold a clinic and they also climb up in the referee chairs and call the score and make our athletes feel like they are the stars of the day, which they are. And it's just a really fun event. And we usually have 60 to 70 volunteers. It's a huge event. And um, actually, 
that tournament just won a North or Southern Tennis Award um, this past year. So that's been a lot of fun. But the coaches, men and women's coaches over there, Simon Earnshaw and Kyle Spencer, mm-hmm. have been incredible as well as their teams. And some of the women have they come to our clinics and volunteer. Right. They've helped us with um, this past year when we had online workouts. They jumped in and volunteered. Mm-hmm. So it's been very encouraging to see these these high-level athletes giving of their time and being involved with our, our program. With your program. That's fantastic to hear. Um, one thing I, I definitely want to talk to you about is the um, your unified doubles offering. Um, what's the concept behind that? Can you explain that to our listeners? And how do you think both individuals who participate in a pairing can benefit? Well, uh, for those who don't know, Unified Doubles is uh, one of our athletes, someone with an intellectual disability, partnering with someone who doesn't have an intellectual disability. And this is really a hot activity now. I mean, people love to do it. Our athletes do and anyone who plays unified doubles loves it. And the benefits are numerous. And I just have to say that anyone who's not played with some of our athletes, I think would find it almost shocking what you get after being around some of our athletes, because they bring this um, joy and an interesting type of intensity to tennis. But it's this lightness also where they just enjoy the game. They want to win, but they're happy for their opponents when they win. And I tell people I had never in my life seen uh, someone run to the net to high five their opponent after just being aced because they were so happy for them. And, And this is what you see and it wears off on you. And it's a good reminder for us to be, thankful on the court that we're able to play and run around and be outside and socialize and maybe win, but maybe not, but focus on what's important. Right. I have to say um, in a previous podcast episode, I shared a story, a personal anecdote. I was once in a very tight doubles uh, USDA match against two women. And um, one of them happened to be intellectually disabled. My partner and I did not recognize that, realize that. Um, and it went to a tiebreaker, a match tiebreaker, and the joy, they in, they did beat us. And, and this woman had actually braces on her legs. I did notice that at the start of the match, but nothing else. But as they came up and that joy to just finish the match, even though her, her joy when she won, but just it was what you're saying, so excited she was to be playing with us. And I just will never forget. It was such an unforgettable and positive moment for me. It was exactly like what you're saying. It made me so thankful to realize like the the chance to get to play tennis. And then also just that it really is a sport that so many people can enjoy. So yes, that I love the concept of unified doubles. Now I haven't played it yet. But when I read about your offering, I, I haven't since that match, I just admit I was not educated, you know, to the fact that there is a formal program to do it. That's, that's what's I'm so excited to talk to you about it today and, and for our listeners to hear 
that there are programs like this in North Carolina, and I'm guessing in other parts of the country, too, where people are teaming up and you can get so much out of it. To be and I, <laughs> I can invite you now to our next event, which will be November 5th. Um, at Carolina Country Club, we're going to have an it's an adult level five tournament, but it's um, so it's a three day event from November fourth to the seventh. But it is to benefit Abilities Tennis, and on Friday night there will be a unified doubles event for anyone who wants to sign up. Um, we'll have sponsors who have first dibs, but I'll. I'll send thank you all the information. Thank, yes. Thank you. I would love that. And I, I know our listeners that live and reside in the North Carolina area are going to love to hear that around the triangle. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And that sounds so exciting. Now you mentioned that the funds raised are going to, to go to uh, your organization. So Abilities Tennis Association of North Carolina, these offerings you had said they're free. So through, is it donors and sponsors and then special uh, event like the tournament that you're speaking to or this play is that how the funds are raised for all of your programs that's correct uh, uh, first of all we also get a lot of money from the usda um, north carolina tennis southern national i apply for grants through them and they're very generous uh, and very supportive in many ways not just financially but um and then we have the one fundraiser a year which is called this is called footprints on the court and okay. we usually raise all the funds that we need. You know, we're a grassroots organization. And um, each year we're raising more and more. Um, just so people know, to start a clinic, we buy all the equipment. We, we get insurance. We Sometimes we hire pros, which is really a beneficial way to do it and ensures that there'll be great clinics. Right. And um, there are a myriad of costs that we do have. The tournaments cost anywhere from... $2,000 to $5,000. We have a national tournament that's a three-day event, and um, we have a unified doubles event in mm -hmm. Wilmington. In so, Wilmington. you know, we pay for all the food. They get t-shirts. They get medals. So it's, it's exactly like the, the expectations for what you see with the, a tour here locally, for example, at the Cary Tennis Center at the Challenger, you know, level event where it's fun, and people, the, the athletes are going to be getting and the, and the and the attendees of the tournament yes. have those opportunities to get t-shirts and the swag from the from the tournament so it, it is a tournament like any other tournament yes and the like the medical term for just a regular would would be typical so our our parents say our kids feel typical doing all of these activities just like everyone else and so it's it's a real positive for all these families and it gives them a chance to gather together and befriend people from all over the state who are in a similar situation and it's just a a wonderful opportunity that's fantastic to hear and i'm I definitely glad we touched on that point about how you all are funded and it's important for listeners to know that this is a great organization that they could donate to not just their time, but also, you know, could could go attend, you know, and pay an entry fee to a special event and tournament. And that's a way that you can uh, you can um, contribute to you all. But in terms of volunteering, and um, I did notice one of your program offerings is sort of a train the trainer where you you all offer former formal training for individuals who are going to teach your athletes who are intellectually disabled. So I wanted to ask you about that 
training. Uh, does someone have to be a tennis player or have had tennis coaching or tennis playing, you know, at USTA level experience to get yeah, I mean, a volunteer who would teach these athletes? Yes, we, we don't require that someone knows how to play tennis or knows anything. I have to say it certainly helps um, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, being one-on-one, a, a volunteer can really give a lot of direction to one of our athletes if they know tennis well. However, you know, I, I would never discourage someone from, from volunteering and they're all kind, they can pick up balls if they don't know. They can learn. They can they can learn from these clinics just like our athletes, which hopefully they might start playing. And so right. um, any anybody is welcome, certainly. And so, um, and in terms of, you, you, we've talked about the unified tennis and you were saying just what a person can gain seeing the joy. The, the same thing as a volunteer, you, you, you pair people up one-to-one generally, right? In, That's correct. In the volunteer environment. So they're getting, they're going to have that connection experience with mm-hmm. this person who can show them a different side to life. I no doubt think that that happens every single time you know someone is paired up you're going to learn like you're saying absolutely so the volunteer experience a volunteer whether they play tennis or don't play tennis they're going to learn tennis techniques and about tennis but they're also going to learn about people and about humanity I think okay I understand that um you you've mentioned the tournaments that you host at the at even a national level when you say at a national level, can you go a little bit more detail into that? Yes. So we we have people from mostly the East Coast, uh, anywhere from Massachusetts down to Georgia who come. We don't really have anybody thus far that's from the western part of the country, but we hope to grow that. But but for adaptive tennis, we you know, a national tournament, you, you call it a national tournament and everybody's invited. So. Absolutely. Yes. And, um, actually, our Love Love Tennis um, team, our organization, we host a Love Love Tennis book club. It's quarterly. We had a meeting last evening and uh, the book we were reading is, uh, it was about the life of uh, tennis great Alice Marble. She actually co-authored the book with a woman named Dale Leatherman. Alice was an 18-time Grand Slam champion. She um, won Wimbledon in 1939. Uh, her, the book is amazing. She also at one point was a, a spy uh, during World War II uh, on behalf of the United States fascinating life. Um, She's from California. I bring this up because at the time that she uh, was trying to get started and playing at national tournaments, she had to take the train from San Francisco. She had to take train to Forest Hills and up to New York, and it wasn't easy. It was costly. And so I can imagine with families who are trying to manage the lives of, of, of their children with intellectual disabilities, that there are costs and a lot of considerations that come into, into play. So um, the fact that you guys are inviting everybody from across the United States and, and you're seeing that some are making the trip and making it happen, I think that's fantastic. So thanks for us. Pointed that out. I I wanted to touch briefly. I think you mentioned um, that something about you said that the uh, online training that you'd had uh, recently, and of course, during we're not out of this global uh, COVID pandemic yet, sadly. 
around the world. We're still sort of dealing with it. But um, I actually recently ran into a friend of mine um, at the local at the, the um, swimming pool, and she was with her daughter, who's 33. Uh, her daughter uh, has Down syndrome, and she and I had not seen each other, of course, for uh, because of COVID for many months. And she said, I asked how her daughter was doing, and she said, you know, it has really been tough on her that she uh, did not understand why she was having to wear a mask. It scared her a great deal that other people were wearing masks, and she thought psychologically, she had some psychological um issues going on with it and a lot of fears and anxiety and thought that people, you know, um, bats, her mother said, were, she said that were flying towards her. She was afraid. So they really had to seek counseling and do a lot more with her. And that really, I had never thought about that, like what this might be doing to, you know, the, the, the pandemic and, and some of these measures that we've had to take and the isolation and that sort of thing, what that might do to people who, who, have intellectual disabilities and aren't able to process it and understand it like a uh, typical, you know, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. but I wanted to ask you about that. Like for COVID, like, did you, what did you guys do? How did you, were you able to continue having clinics or how did you do it to help the athletes? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it was probably if you were able to manage to still offer some things that that was so appreciated by those families. Yes, so quickly we realized that um, we needed to do something online. So within two weeks, we had started doing workouts. Every Thursday afternoon, we'd meet at 3 o'clock, and we would do a a rigorous workout. We realized our athletes, they wanted to sweat. They wanted to be challenged. They wanted to do more than, you know, we started out just doing some tennis drills and like a tennis clinic, but they wanted more than that because they were in their home so much and they had like pin up energy. And so we made it a really difficult workout and, and they loved it. And we also partnered with special Olympics so that they had more, they had several workouts each week that they could do. And um, special Olympics has a, a dietitian on hand who was tracking their weight loss and on average, they lost 10 pounds uh, throughout the pandemic, while many of us were eating and drinking and gaining weight, they were really working on their physical health. Wow! And so that, that was to hear. That was very encouraging, and we ended up hiring a nutritionist who would came in, and we would do uh, a workout, and then we would have like a cooking class, and she would give great ideas like pre-workout uh, snacks and post-workout, and then she gave us some good ideas for meals and. It was a great collaboration for oh, for us. That so, is, I'm so glad that is amazing. I'm still not you know hearing ten pounds. Yeah, because you, you know, it seems everywhere in the news you've heard you hear that people were gaining weight, and yeah. and and to hear that that your population of athletes was able through you know online uh, to lose and and to participate like that. That's wonderful. And did they? Um, you feel like that that connection, you know, sustain them through this. And yeah, so we would, they would have the opportunity to see their friends and to interact with them at the end. They would get, have the ch- a chance to, to talk to each other. And we would always end with a dance party. We would play a song and everybody would dance and we would just have the best time. And, you oh. know, so it was really good. And that was also when we had 
um, like Anna Rogers, NC State tennis player. We had Abby Forbes leading. We had some different pros from around town. Um, And then we also, what I found is many high school students were missing the opportunities to volunteer. So we created a program where they could lead and it gave them the opportunity to volunteer and to be active and our athletes love seeing the young folks and faces there. So it was a win-win. I feel like we we made the most uh, out of this um, opportunity that we could um, in well, Zoom and getting together. So. Absolutely. I know I'm, I'm I, the next question I have for you is going to be related to accolades that your organization has received. But one of them in the title is the term adaptive tennis. And as I hear what you all did during COVID and, you know, them losing 10 pounds, it sounds like you all were adaptable. I mean, and I mean, thank goodness for e-learning and, and, and Zoom and, and, and other online technologies that have enabled the schools and you all are an education, an educational institution in, in the way that you're delivering tennis information education to, to your audiences. But yeah, it sounds like adaptive is a good word to describe you. But related to the accolades specifically, I I know that you you all received the USTA National Adaptive Tennis Community Service Award, and that you went and you some of your team was able to go up to the U.S. Open in New York. I, I'm not sure the year, so I'm hoping you can tell me when that was. And then also um, about the award that you and your team recently received from USTA Net Generation. Can you tell us a little bit about those um, recognition? So the, the 2018 Adaptive Award, uh, we went up, uh, Abilities Tennis won that, and we were given the opportunity to go to the U.S. Open. There were eight awards given at this, um, this breakfast, and we we – had the best time. I mean, one of the award winners was Chris Everett. Uh, there was a man there who won the award for setting up the um, at the tennis USTA like tennis rating. He done all this an algorithm, and so it was really exciting um, to be up there and to be recognized for the work that Abilities Tennis has done. Now, yeah. the other um, through Net Generation that was an opportunity that. Um, I applied for through Net Generation, and we were chosen as the first adaptive program to go on Arthur Ashe and do a 10-minute demo before uh, Djokovic-Londero match. So it was the first night match that they'd had an adaptive program do this. So we had 25 of our athletes go up there, and we took a bus. So it was an athlete with a parent or caregiver, and we stayed in the Hub Hotel I think Marriott, and then we just went into uh, Arthur Ashe. This This was 2019. 2019, and so 25 of your athletes, along with their parent or caregiver, you all took a bus and went up to New York, and that you're saying that um, in front of the Djokovic match, the first night match, you all were were able to uh, be there. And you, you said, did you say you had a player that, participated the uh Brogan Burr, she flipped the coin for the for the Djokovic Landero match. Yes. Oh, so that was really goodness. exciting. Yes. Oh I know she's never going to forget that moment. 
So that, again, that, those are funds that we use. We did have a special fundraiser for that. That cost about $50,000 to make that trip. And yeah. so our goal is to be able to do that again in maybe two to three years. Okay. So we're, we're saving along and along. It was life-changing for some of our athletes who had never left the state, who'd never been to New York, obviously. And um, it was just, it, it was very meaningful, it was extremely exciting. Oh, yes. That's amazing. I'm so glad to hear hear that. I just, yeah, I know you all enjoyed it so much. Um, I want to conclude uh, our conversation. This has been great, but I want, I'd like to turn the spotlight back in your direction a little bit. And I understand you were personally recognized by the North Carolina, by North Carolina Tennis in 2019 with an Educational Merit Award. And so since you've helped teach the sport of tennis to so many North Carolinians, at this stage in your career and life, Lou, I'd like to ask, what is the most important life lesson that tennis has taught you? Well, I feel like tennis teaches us so many lessons every single day. It's I look at the game and I am I am learning each time that I go out there. But a story I love to tell and that really was pivotal in my life was when I was in high school and I was playing a girl who was ranked top in the state and she was so much better than I was and she was really killing me on the court. It was 6-0, love. And I just kept plugging away and she had gotten confident and I just plugged away and plugged away. I came all the way back. And this was in the day when you played a third set Oh, yeah. the entire third set. And so um, we had to play the, the third set and I, and I somehow won. And <laughs> what it taught me is just you never give up. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you just plow ahead. And my father always tells me that I have stay in power. And so <laughs> I feel like tennis has taught me that you just never leave. You just keep staying and um, and that's kind of how I live my life. You just, you just show up and you just do the yeah. best you can and you never give up. You run after that ball as hard as you can. If you swing and you miss, you tried. Yes. And um, well, that that is that's amazing um, to hear. Um, and I absolutely think uh, just hearing your story, talking with you today, that you did find your sweet spot. You have found that in your life. And I tell you personally, I admire you and I so admire the work that Abilities Tennis Association of North Carolina is doing to share passion for tennis with everyone. I agree with you about it being a sport in which you learn something new every time you play. And just, I think you do have the staying power. I think you're a, a gym. I think that the organization's a gym for North Carolina. And I'm so glad that other people around the world, you know, other states may hear this message. And I also want to say a shout out to all of the volunteers and all of my tennis friends. What I've also learned through tennis is that there's a real caring environment out there. And it's, it's a community that I love being a part of. They are my friends. They're by my side. The yeah. families I work with are, are there. They're, they're a community that I have now also. It's just, you know, I'm looking at this big fundraiser we have coming up and the entire tennis community is just surrounding abilities, tennis and, and helping. And I'm just, I just love 
I love our community. I love, love our community. <laughs> I am <laughs> so glad to hear that. I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that. And um, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time today because I know how busy you are, Lou. And so uh, with um, with that, it's it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you, learning from you today about adaptive tennis programming. I know if our listeners want to learn more about you and Abilities Tennis Association of North Carolina and getting involved with you, um, that they can visit your website, www.atanc.org. So I just want to say thank you again, and I wish you all the best for the remainder of 2021. Thank you, Ruth. And that's a wrap. If you liked listening to this episode, don't miss visiting our website, love-lovetennis.com, to check out more episodes and more content about all things tennis. Because Love Love Tennis is where tennis talk starts.